You're listening to the Annuity Agents Podcast with Anthony Owen. Anthony is the co-founder of a $20 million per year annuity agency, president of Annuity Agents Alliance and Annuity Innovation Systems, co-founder of Safe Money Radio Marketing, and monthly contributor to ThinkAdvisor. Each week, Anthony and his partners at Annuity Agents Alliance update you on the annuity business with marketing, sales tools, sales process, and case design strategies. Before we get started, hit that like button and subscribe so you don't miss information that will help you build your annuity business. Hello, everybody. Once again, thank you for joining the Annuity Agents Podcast, and this is going to be part two of a series called Maximizing Your Opportunity in the Golden Age of Annuities. And uh, please uh, like, subscribe, hit whatever button you need to, depending on where you're uh, listening. If you'd like a copy of the notes, they're down at a link on the bottom where you can find them on annuityagentsalliance.com. While you're there, go ahead and click on the request information if you're not already partnered with us and find out uh, what we would uh, have to offer. We'd love to talk to you. Um, But uh, anyway, let's get into today's topic. Last time we talked a little bit about how do we define marketing, uh, how to not have entitlement in your marketing process. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the simplicity of this business. Now, whenever I tell people that this business is simple, um, I truly mean it. Uh, And I actually believe that very high levels of success in this business are simple, but uh, that doesn't make it easy. Life is never easy. And there's always something that's going to try and get in your way. Uh, But uh, that doesn't mean it's not simple. And, and really what I'm looking at is, you know, last time we talked about taking, you know, that marketing is just an opportunity to demonstrate skill Uh, Entitlement in your marketing is thinking that just because you're marketing that you should monetize that marketing without the demonstration of skill. But we're going to look into the math uh, behind monetizing your marketing. So what does that look like? How simple is it to monetize your marketing? And so uh, I don't know. It's been well over a decade, I guess. I came up with the concept called the 110-100 producer. And early in my uh, career, uh, you know, I looked at, I, I'm a numbers guy. I like running the numbers and I wanted to, uh, figure out when I started recruiting, uh, partners to work with me, uh, how simple is it to be profitable in this business? Cause one of the first questions I always get whenever we're talking about a marketing system or whatever is, you know, what is the return on investment? What's your average producer do? And I always say the, you know, the average producer does nothing, (laughs) absolutely nothing. Uh, They're looking at Facebook instead of calling and booking appointments. Uh, You know, so we don't want to measure ourselves against the the average. Uh, But, uh, you know, what does it look like to, what is the bar to success, right? Like, I mean, how hard is it to be profitable in this business? So I came up with this concept called the 110-100 producer. And uh, what that means is that if you have 10 leads, and let's, let's assume they're good leads, right? Okay, air quotations, good leads. 
whatever that means. And, you know, anytime someone says, you know, are these good leads? And I say, well, that's a, you know, that you're a component to how good leads are. Um, but yeah, you know, I also say if I, if I opened up a phone book, I could be highly profitable in this business. Now there's no phone books anymore, but to say that there were, you know, all I'd have to do is find someone by the name of Phyllis. And I'd say, well, her name's Phyllis. I bet she's a senior. And if I called enough Phyllises in that phone book, I would eventually get to talk to one that had money. And then I'd go out and help her with her income and legacy and uh, protection strategies and long-term care. And I would be highly profitable in this business. I spent no money and uh, all my money was, uh, all my activity produced uh, some amount of profit. So I'd have a basically an infinite return on investment as far as the cost of uh, money goes. Uh, but I'd have a terrible return on my time, right? So just because we're profitable doesn't mean we're efficient and doesn't mean that we're as productive as we could be. So we're going to be talking a little bit about an efficiency model too, because that's super important. Uh, just like we said last time in part one, there's only 24 hours in a calendar day. We got to do the best we can do with those 24 hours. And so uh, ask yourself, are you a 110-100 producer? Now, I've asked this question probably thousands of times at this point, and I've never had anybody, not even one, uh, tell me that they weren't at least a 110-100 producer, which means that if you got 10 leads, that you could sell at least one for an average case size of $100,000. And I bet, you know, if I played this uh, podcast for the next 40 years uh, to all the people that are in this business now and will be in this business in the future, I bet nobody would say that they couldn't be a 110-100 producer. Uh, if you don't think you could be a 110-100 producer, then, uh, then you need uh, probably to find uh, another source of income because this is the lowest bar that you could possibly hope to attain. But I'm gonna show you how you're profitable in this business if you're a 110, 100 producer. So let's just say that uh, 10 leads are $300 each. Let's call it $400 because lead, lead costs are going up, right? Um, so just keep in mind, this still works either way, but uh, let's stick with 300 because that's the math I have in this uh, presentation here. but. Uh, let's say your leads cost about $300 each. I mean, radio leads cost less than that. Workshop leads usually cost around $170 per, uh, per buying unit. Uh, and then some of the internet leads have gotten up to 400. So, you know, the math works, but uh, 10 leads would equal $3,000 at 300 each, right? And your average case size is $100,000. You're gonna sell one of those. You're a one, 10, 100 producer. And let's assume that the average commission is 7%. And, you know, for anybody that you're listening that maybe this video has fallen into the wrong hands, this is for agent use only, but, you know, oh my God, you're getting paid 7%. Well, you know, people that sell houses get paid this much too. And, and we have to service these contracts for the rest of our lives. So 7% up front and no commission that follows is actually uh, a lot less commission than the a broker or a money manager gets uh, over the lifetime of their portfolio. So uh, don't freak out. But um, 
so $100,000 in premium, $7,000 commission, $110,100. So for that period, whatever that period is, let's call it a month, you made a marketing profit of $4,000. You spent $3,000, you made $7,000 before any other expenses, so you made a marketing profit of $4,000. Therefore, you were profitable, you know, but if you did this once a month, uh, you would be looking at uh, $48,000 a year in marketing profit. Now, you know, unless you're living someplace that's extremely low cost, you're probably not uh, getting all the money that you need to get uh, to stay in business if your marketing profit's $48,000. But let's just assume that we agree that you can be this $110,000, $100,000 producer. And instead of doing this once a month, in other words, you got 10 leads in a month and you sold one of them. What if we did this twice a month? Okay, so we increased our frequency to bi-monthly, which means that we're gonna have to spend more money, right? We're not gonna be spending $3,000 a month. We're gonna be spending $6,000 a month. But because we already know we're $110,000 producers, we know that we can double our profits. So what happens when you do that? Instead of $48,000 a year, your marketing profit is $96,000 a year. Now, unless you're living in California or someplace like that, uh, we're starting to make some decent money. I mean, this is probably enough for most of us, unless we're trying to live like rock stars and living outside our means, which I don't recommend. Uh, this is probably enough for us to get by and, and make a decent living. It's certainly better than making this amount of money in an office and, uh, and not having the freedom to set our own schedule and things like that. So we're making $96,000 a year by just increasing our frequency to twice a month instead of once a month. Still the same formula, 110, 100. Well, what if we did something like, uh, you know, what if we increased our case size? So we increased our frequency. Do you think we could do better with our case size? I mean, we're only doing an average of $100,000 for each case. Uh, last time I looked at Limer statistics, the national case size average was $70,000. And that includes, uh, you know, licensed agents at banks and captive agencies and, you know, all the part-time organizations out there, you know, agents that are in their 20s that are all of a sudden annuity salespeople. Um, but, uh, you know, so the national average is around $70,000. Uh, I hardly work with anybody that doesn't have, that I don't at least get to an average case of, of $200,000. And a lot of our partners get up into the $400,000 range. So let's say we could increase our, our case size. Uh, and uh, what if we, oh, and also, you know, what if we did it four times a month? I forgot to mention that. So we increased it bi-monthly. So that's two times a month. If we increased it to four times a month, you know, so that means that we're spending, uh, that we're spending $12,000 a month in marketing expenses, uh, still 110, 100, uh, but then we're doing it four times a month. Well, that's a marketing profit of 192,000. Now, back to the average case size. 
Guess what happens when you do something more frequently? Like, I don't know anybody that does something consistently and frequently that doesn't get better at it, right? I own three guitars and I don't know how to play a single one of them. Why is that? Well, it's because I pick up a guitar and I play for about a week and my fingers get sore and I get busy and, uh, you know, I have two left feet and my hands don't, you know, work the way my brain wants them to. And I'm just not musically inclined, but I guarantee you that if I stayed frequent and consistent, I would learn how to play a guitar, right? Well, the same is true for this business. If you increase your frequency and maintain consistency, you're going to get better. So I bet you, uh, I bet you uh, a bunch that if you uh, were doing one, if you're doing 10 leads every week, so four times a month, that you would probably increase your case sizes. And so let's say that you did that. So now instead of a one ten one hundred thousand dollar producer, you're a one ten two hundred thousand dollar producer. So that's eight thousand dollars in marketing profit per period. And if you did that four times a month, that would be three hundred and eighty four thousand dollars in marketing profit. What if you increased your closure rate? Once again, we're becoming more frequent. We're consistent. We're uh, getting better with our sales process, uh, which means we're increasing our case size. But I bet you we could do better than 110, right? Uh, you know, our, our uh, very proficient partners get to around the one out of five. Uh, so if they get 10 leads, then they sell at least two of them, sometimes three. And their case sizes also get higher too. But, you know, let's say you did 1.5. So you had 1.5 sales for every 10 leads, three sales for every 20 leads. Uh, and then your average case size went up a little bit too. You, your case size got to 250,000. And then you did that four times per month. So you're still only getting 40 leads per month, which means you're doing uh, more than one marketing system at this point, probably, right? You know, uh, part of being consistent and persistent is uh, also being multifaceted in a marketing approach. You know, we, you know, even for our hosts, our radio hosts, we never try and get them to do just radio. I mean, we're, hey, let's add some workshops to this. Maybe we only do workshops during the best part of the year. You know, this, the, the early winter and, uh, you know, January through June sort of thing and September and October and maybe take off the summers and the holidays or maybe add some internet leads in there or some things like that. Uh, let's improve your internet reputation and branding, get you listed on uh, annuity.com, do the retire village drip system. Uh, do some press releases, get you into some newspapers. Uh, a lot of times we're able to do that for free and actually get you to be a syndicated author. Uh, we call it a syndicated columnist in newspapers and get leads that way. Uh, maybe you can better at referrals too. So, you know, if you're doing all this marketing and increasing your frequency and consistency, guess what? Your, your referrals are going to go up too. But if you did 1.5 times 10, times 250, and you did that four times a month, that's a marketing profit of $1,116,000 a year. So you had 480 leads, you had 72 clients, not that many clients, 
premium was about 18 million, marketing expenses around 144,000, like I said on the last part, part one of this series, this being part two. Um, we have uh, partners that are in the $200,000 range for marketing uh, and they've worked their way up to that uh, point. And your gross commissions are 1.26 million uh, a year. Um, you have a big problem at this point. It's called taxes. <laughs> you better be, you better be making those estimated tax payments. Uh, let me tell you that. I mean, you don't want you don't want to get caught at the end of the year. You don't want to start living like a rock star too. Uh, you know, life. Nothing in life is guaranteed. The very air we breathe is not guaranteed. So let's do the same thing we teach our clients and put money away and buy annuities ourselves. Uh, we just had Tom Hagna on. Uh, uh, presentation for us last week. And he said he owned 11 annuities and I'm happy to say I'm just about to buy my 11th annuity. So I'm doing exactly what I teach our partners and clients to do. So, um, so marketing profit of $1.1 million. I think most of you would probably consider that a successful business. Yet we still have not achieved all we can achieve. I mean, 1.5 sales for 10 leads with an average case size of 250,000 and doing that four times a month. Now, granted, we're working hard at this point. I mean, this doesn't include vacations and things like that. So we might have to cut some things off. Um, but we're working hard, but there's still room to improve. And we have partners that do this kind of volume working somewhere between eight to nine months a year. And that's because they do more than 1.5 sales per 10 and the average case size is in the 400,000. And when you work this hard, you need some time off uh, or you'll just burn out or die of a heart attack or something like that. We don't want any of that. I mean, why are we doing this business, right? Why are we doing any business? A lot of work, a lot of sacrifice. Uh, we want to be able to enjoy uh, the fruits of that. Um, so this is the math behind uh, monetization. And this is very simple. Uh, it's not easy because it's going to require you to uh, take a bet on your uh, skills as a salesperson. You know, one of the problems in this business is that uh, revenues can significantly lag expenses. I mean, the money that I spend on marketing today I might not monetize that for years. I mean, I've seen leads that I've bought that I didn't make money on for five or six years. We've seen that with our partners. We constantly, I get uh, calls saying, hey, I just had someone that was listening to my show for the last seven years. They were 53 years old when they started. They're 60 years old now. And uh, they finally called me, said they left their job and they'd like to start working with me. I mean. You spent the money seven years ago and every year since, and you didn't make a dime off of that particular client until today. So this is a process that once again requires consistency and persistency. And then the faith that that consistency and persistency is going to increase your skill level and that eventually you will monetize. And here's the thing. I've rarely met a partner who is not profitable in this business. In other words, they have a marketing profit. Because once again, 
they can all do this, right? They can all do this 110-100. And they have marketing profit. The problem is their frequency is not high enough. If you can do 110-100 and increase your frequency, then you will make enough profit to continue doing what you're doing. But if you do this 110-100 once a month, you are profitably going out of business. And this is where a lot of people stay in this business. Maybe it's not 110-100 a month. Maybe it's, you know, 110-100 every three weeks or two weeks. But still, they just never move beyond the next step uh, that allows them to become highly profitable in this business. Uh, and then, and I see guys exit this business or go bankrupt, which is a terrible thing. We're in financial services, right? We shouldn't be going bankrupt. How are we going to help anybody if we're bankrupt ourselves? Right. And, you know, I, I grew up in a family that was very entrepreneurial. So I had that benefit, uh, you know, I watched my dad build several different businesses. And so I had a general idea on how to start a business and how to hustle. Uh, he wasn't real good at keeping his businesses because he lived way beyond his lifestyle and took on a lot of debt, like everything that he bought was uh, leveraged. Um, but I had that advantage. So I knew that consistency and persistency and hustle uh, was a very strong part of the formula success. But I see a lot of, you know, guys that I work with or want to work with me that don't quite understand that. And, you know, we all get into this business with a license, you know, we pay our 150 bucks. And then all of a sudden we're not only financial planners after we do your, our continuing ed and our suitability training, now, all of a sudden, we're basically financial planners, even though we might not have our, you know, financial planning designation. But if we're selling annuities, we're helping people plan their finances, right? Very little training to get to that point. And guess what? Unless you have an acumen of business ownership, uh, who's teaching you how to run a business? Who's teaching you the math of being profitable, the formula of success? And... Then you go and find a marketing organization and what do they do? They teach you profit. I mean, they teach you product. So, you know, here's some marketing, here's a product, go sell. And then the person you're working with has never actually built a business, right? They're a cubicle jockey and no disparagement to them as people, but you know, how much can they teach you about building a business if they haven't built one themselves? It's a real challenge. And so a lot of uh, guys and gals just, you know, kind of, you know, reach this level of mediocre in this business and they're really frustrated and they don't know how to pull themselves out of that rut. And they don't have the confidence and the faith to push forward that they're going to actually monetize what they do. Sometimes, like we talked about in step one, they don't take personal responsibility for uh, the process of improving their sales and skills and becoming more compelling and becoming more solution uh, oriented uh, to solve problems for the clients rather than selling products. So they, they stagnate in this place and then they fall into 
a sense of entitlement, which is blaming their marketing, blaming their FMO, blaming everything but themselves. Um, but that doesn't make them bad people in this business. It just means that maybe they don't have the guidance and the knowledge and the faith to get to the next step. And, uh, you know, those of you who have heard my story, I feel very fortunate because I hitched my wagon to some mentors who really helped uh, me get to that next level and showed me that things could be done. And, uh, and I was like a puppy dog at their heels, trying to learn everything and trying to make everything they taught me twice as good. So um, those that work with us have that same opportunity. We're a very mentor oriented uh, organization and we like to help people grow their businesses. Uh, some of you also know, I pray with my uh, partners when they need prayer and I am their bartender when they need a bartender because you know, like I said, this business, this business is simple. I just showed you some very simple math. Every single mega producer that you know, or have heard of has built their business based on this math. Uh, they did not stagnate. They constantly increased their frequency and their consistency and got better at what they did. None of them started here at 18 million, not one. Uh, if they started 18 million, then they're probably going to lose their license somewhere along the way. That means they're probably doing something wrong. Uh, the guys who started in this business and started it right had to learn just like every single one of us, you know, getting better along the way. So uh, if the math of marketing proves profitability, why not market more? Uh, and you know, that's a real simple question that can be difficult to answer because it requires uh, some acknowledgement that maybe we're not doing what we know we can do more frequently, right? We're one $100 producers. If we do that more frequently, we're more profitable. It's, it's proven. We, we, we admit it. We know that we're one $100 producer, one $100,000 producers. And yet we're not doing more. Why is that? Why don't we have faith in ourselves to do more of what works? Well, part of it, I said, you know, is because um, we confuse ourselves. Uh, question is, is your calendar full? And what does that mean? Now, I am a uh, habitual path of least resistance kind of guy, right? I will fool myself and convince myself that I'm productive when I'm actually just being busy. And so I like to find things to do that keep me busy, but then don't take me out of my comfort zone. And so that might be things like answering email or you know, thinking that my Facebook posts are gonna move the needle in my business uh, or uh, doing annual client reviews you know, that that is going to be more productive than actually meeting with a new client and not saying that it couldn't be, but it's super easy to fool yourself into thinking that because you're busy, you're busy meeting with that client that at a hundred thousand dollars and you sold them a $50,000 annuity and having that annual review with them makes you feel like you're productive, but you're actually just busy because they don't have any more money and suitability wise, you can't sell them another annuity right? So that is a way to be busy and not productive. So look at your calendar 
and ask yourself, are you busy or are you productive? Very different distinction. Don't fool yourself. Don't lie to yourself and uh, discredit uh, your business uh, by getting those two things mixed up. I met a guy one time who said that he had 30 appointments a week. And I'm like, no way. There's just no way someone could have 30 appointments a week. I mean, some annuity appointments I've been on, they take, you know, three or four hours. How is he doing 30 appointments a week? So I always like to dig deeper and and find out what's going on in someone's business. And it turns out that he was meeting about one to two new clients per week. And then he was doing monthly reviews, which he, he which every single one of his annuity clients. Like why on earth would you need to meet with your annuity client once a month? It's a fire and forget product. If you did proper case design, if you illustrated out like we do with our income planner and our income illustrator and there's purpose of money planning, they know why they bought it. Um, but he was convincing himself that he, you know, and he would pick up a sale now and then by meeting with him once a month. But what was that compared to meeting with new clients? Super busy, not very productive, but he made himself feel like he was. And he had like three staff members just to manage all the appointments and everything. So don't, don't fool yourself on that. Uh, is math not working due to marketing entitlement? And we talked about this last time. Uh, you know, are you convincing yourself that uh, marketing needs to equal uh, revenues uh, without any, uh, without you being part of that equation, right? And, and we just know intuitively, we know that that's not the case, even if we don't want to admit it. Uh, it's marketing plus us in our compelling sales process that equals a return on our marketing. Entitlement means that we think we're owed something. Um, you know, speaking of that, while, I, while I'm on the title of being owed something, uh, you know, our clients don't owe us anything either. It doesn't matter how much case design we do, doesn't matter how many illustrations we run, doesn't matter how, many com how compelling we are, um, it's still their money. And uh, we've had a partner come into our business by the name of Doug McDermott, and he is doing a lot of training for our partners. We have a annuities 101 through 104 that we're doing now. It's going to be an online portal uh, and uh, tons of resources. I mean, just massive amounts of resources. This guy took a, uh, another FMO before he started working with us, took him from zero to $700 million in production, and it was a bunch of Medicare agents who were doing basically no annuities. So he has a, he has a system that's really good and uh, includes client handouts, whiteboard videos that are client approved, all kinds of stuff. Um, but he talks about having a servant's heart. And that's so important in this business. I mean, are you serving people or are you expecting to get something? Um, you know, in the Bible, they have this thing called agape love, which means uh, love without conditions. And I really think that that's the best way to approach this business because I, I really truly believe we're trying to save people's financial lives, maybe even life itself. Um, one of my partners um, turned in a life case. A, a, I think it was about a million or $2 million target life, huge life case. It was going to include uh, a $25 million in annuities. And, you know, so rather than just focusing on the annuities, he had the servant's heart. 
to approach the client with life insurance because the, the client had a potential major estate tax issue. And, you know, rather than just going the simple route and talking about annuities, he brought in life insurance. And, you know, this client ended up through his paramedical, uh, through his uh, medical exams and his uh, physical that he hadn't had in a while and he had to get for this life insurance, finding out that he had a spot of cancer on his kidney. So literally, the servant's heart doing the right thing and bringing life insurance into the question could have possibly and most likely saved this client's life because he had no idea he had cancer. There's no symptoms showing up or anything. So working for people without expecting return, not having entitlement in your marketing. Um, and are you adding marketing systems instead of replacing them? So your business should never be uh, displacement. Uh, or replacement. It should be addition. So you don't take one profitable marketing system and then replace it with another marketing system that you hope is profitable. You take a profitable marketing system and then you add it to another profitable marketing system. And then you add that to another profitable marketing system. So many times I see uh, guys in this business where they start freaking out about the cost of marketing and they'll take a system which they are profitable in. Once again, they're, they're a major component in that profitability. It doesn't happen on itself, but they'll take a, you know, let's say that they're not even that profitable. Let's say that they're spending 30,000 and they're making 45,000. So only $15,000, right? But then they'll take that 30,000, move it away from the marketing system, which is currently profitable, which will probably become more profitable over time as they get better at what they do. They spend that $30,000 someplace else in the hopes that they get instead of 45,000, maybe 60,000. So they, they, they think that they're increasing their profitability by $30,000, right? They're spending 30 now, they're getting 45. They're gonna move that 30 over to another marketing system spend the 30 there in hopes of getting 60. So instead of making 15,000, they're gonna make 30,000. But instead of moving that 30,000, what if you added 30,000? Okay, so you're making 15 on your current marketing system, you're adding another 30, so now your profit is 45,000. And of course, this, is, this applies on a much bigger scale. But when you move expenses from one marketing system to another, uh, you're not uh, increasing your profitability as much as you could because you're doing replacement instead of addition. And I've seen that over and over and over again. Uh, and that really just comes from the lack of faith uh, or the lack of savings or whatever it is to reinvest what profits you have into another marketing system. Once again, simple, not easy, right? I mean, we all got bills to pay, it's, especially when we're getting started, it's really hard. But you don't wanna get rid of profitable systems. Just get better at them and make them more profitable and then add more profitable systems. And we're gonna talk in then part three of this series on how to manage your calendar and the different types of marketing uh, budgets that uh, create this uh, addition uh, that utilize additional marketing instead of the replacement of marketing. Um, also ask yourself, are you getting out of your comfort zone? You know, it's, it's, it's just numbers. 
And the more you do it, the more comfortable you become. I mean, one of the things that I hate with a passion is uh, calling leads. Hate it. I mean, it's the least favorite thing I could possibly want to do on this planet is to call leads. And some of you probably think that that's no big deal. And that's not your Achilles heel in this business. But for me, it is. I hate it. Um, you know, when I used to do mortgage protection every Monday night, and I had to get eight appointments, at least eight to 10 appointments every week, and I couldn't stop calling until I got eight to 10. And if I didn't get eight to 10 on Monday, then I had to get up early ne the, the next morning and start calling again, I had to carry my leads with me, because I could not have less than eight appointments that week. If I had cancellations, I had to replace them. And I hated calling those leads. But guess what? Year after year after year of calling leads, I got better at it. And today, some of my objection handling skills, if you're, if you're partnered with us and you need help with objection handling, um, you know, working with me or uh, one of our crew here, uh, I can help you with that. And why can't I help you with that? Because I have made thousands and thousands and thousands of calls. I got out of my comfort zone. I wrote down when people objected and I learned how to handle those objections. And when I had successes, I wrote that down. When I had failures, I wrote that down and I learned to turn my failures into successes. So getting out of your comfort zone, it's, it, you cannot fail in life or in business if you get out of your comfort zone. Uh, that is a major hurdle to overcome, but it's worthwhile. Uh, and we've talked about this before, saving your way to success, ending up with a yo-yo business where you, you know, turn your marketing on, wait for some profits, turn your marketing off until those pro profits come in. And then once the profits come in, start your marketing again. So you end up with this up and down cycle. Uh, what you're taking away from your business in that case is you're taking away momentum and momentum is something that's not necessarily quantifiable on paper, but it is definitely quantifiable in uh, a way that uh, you cannot experience if you're stopping and stopping, starting, starting and stopping. Um, you know, some of the biggest sales that myself or our partners have made is right after we've made sales. Uh, if you go out and close a $1 million annuity, and you don't have appointments lined up back to back right after that sale, you have just killed massive amounts of profit because your likeliness of selling uh, policies quickly and in large case sizes is greatly increased right after you've closed a large sale. And that momentum is extremely valuable. It creates a lot of efficiency in your business. Uh, personal expenses, and capitalization, I'm going to combine these two. So uh, those of you who know uh, my story, once again, you know that when I started this business back in 2006, by 2007, we had $100,000 in credit card debt. And our personal lifestyles, although I wouldn't say we we're living like a rock star, we were kind of following in the footsteps of our father and leveraging everything, cars leveraged, house leveraged, vacations leveraged, all that kind of stuff and uh, still learning how to do this business. And we were hijacking our business through our personal expenses. And so 
I would just say sell everything. (laughs) If it, you know, cancel cable, stop eating out, stop going on vacations, get yourself to a point of capitalization where uh, you don't need to worry about things that disrupt your business. Doesn't matter whether it's a pandemic, uh, health issues, government regulation, uh, sales ruts, whatever it is, if you're capitalized, you can overcome that. Businesses do not fail because of any of those things. They fail due to lack of capital. If you have capital, you can overcome those things. You have time on your hands. So in my business back in 2007, I committed to building up $100,000 in my personal account, $100,000 in my business account. And that way I could put all my uh, bills on auto pay. And that way I could also uh, experiment with marketing. And that ended up being crucial to future success because I spent money on marketing that if I wasn't capitalized, I might not have been able to spend. So those are some things there uh, uh, that uh, you need to take care of if you want this math of marketing to work in your favor. Uh, What's the fastest way to increase Uh, capital in your business. If capital is so important, how do you increase it? Um, You got to do, you got to increase your frequency. You know, if you're doing 110-100 once a month, it's a slow and profitable bankruptcy. Simple as that. Uh, Mitigate opportunity loss by increasing opportunity to succeed. And to do that, you have to become more efficient. Frequency plus efficiency equals exponential growth. Uh, which is another way of saying momentum, right? So uh, efficiency, we like to define things, right? We want to know what is efficiency in this business? What is marketing? We talked about that last time. So what is efficiency? Here's my efficiency statement. I want to make the most amount of money with the fewest number of people, uh, which would be the fewest number of clients in your case, in the shortest period of time. So I have more time to make more money with more clients. 24 hours in a calendar day, right? You and I both have that problem. If your case size is low and your closure rate's low and it takes you a lot of appointments to close business, if you lose a lot of cases, if you don't maximize case size, uh, then uh, you are not going to be efficient. So we got to get efficient by uh, increasing case size and closure rate and decreasing the number of appointments it takes to close. Uh, So that you have more time to make more money with more clients or... Spend time doing things that are more important than money. Money is probably the one of the least important things in my life. And the way that money becomes uh, very unimportant is by getting it out of the way. Uh, you know, a lot of us spend our entire lives trying to get money out of the way. And we're always trying to get over that hill. And when I got into this business, having come from a corporate career, uh, I knew that I could not go back to corporate. I just, there's just no way that was ever going to happen. I was so discouraged, you know, it's just discouraging in life and, you know, having people put a cap on uh, how much you're worth and your time and all that kind of stuff. So when I looked at this money thing and I wanted to spend time doing things that are more important money, efficiency became critical because I didn't want to spend my entire life getting to things that were more important than money. 
And so a lot of us kind of had this one foot in and one foot out. I mean, trying to balance the vacations with family and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, for me hunting and, and spending uh, quality time at church and pouring into people's lives and all the different things that we might want to do that are more important than money. But then we have this constant demand of making money uh, sometimes, which is greater than it needs to be because of our personal expenses, or sometimes it's just because we haven't learned how to be uh, productive yet. And we're fooling ourselves by being busy and not productive. And so when you're looking at this business, get this money thing out of the way, find a way to become better quickly and uh, make as much money as you can in the shortest period of time. So that after that you're working at your own option, right? You don't have to keep on working if you don't want. And now you're really be able to work from the area of a servant's heart because you don't need to sell clients anymore. You can just serve them. You don't, and you become agnostic to money. And that's a great thing. You know, I can take it or leave it. it it's, it's just a wonderful attitude to approach financial services in because it's not about you anymore. It's about the client. So, you know, become agnostic to money by getting it out of the way as quickly as possible. Get efficiency in your business, increase your case size, increase your closure rate, decrease the number of appointments to close, decrease time spent on non-productive work and condensing your marketing geography. That's something that we're going to talk about in the part three about uh, the different uh, stages of marketing, the budgets of marketing, and how you can become more efficient through geography. But in a nutshell, if you have multiple systems of marketing filling your calendar, then you can decrease the geography required to cover those uh, systems. And these days, someone might say you could do that by doing virtual selling. Um, the only problem with that is I've had clients write me million dollar plus checks on the first appointment don't have a high level of confidence. In fact, I have zero confidence that's up, that's going to happen through a Zoom meeting. Uh, you know, having one Zoom meeting with a client and then getting case sizes like that. So there is some opportunities there with virtual sales for efficiency. In other words, you don't have to drive any place, but then you also potentially hurt case size and closure rate. So be careful about trying to gain efficiency through the path of least resistance. Um, couple just like to wrap it up here for part two know your numbers how can you know where you're going if you don't know where you are uh i've i kid you not i've had partners call me and want to cancel marketing systems and then i forced them to do the numbers i said i want to know how many leads you got i want to know how many appointments you got how many times you sat with people how many applications you wrote what the average case size is Sometimes it's very difficult, if not impossible, for them to get me that information. Uh, hello, you're running a business. <laughs> Shouldn't you have this information? Um, you know, take a community college workshop and learn how to use Excel. Find out how to track this, these numbers. And if you don't have the aptitude or desire to do that, find someone who can. Hire someone, you know, your child, your niece, nephew, uh, anybody that knows how to use Excel or to get yourself into a basic CRM so that you can keep track of your productivity. Because if you don't know the numbers, you're going to make stupid decisions. 
You're going to get rid of marketing systems that are actually working. You're not going to be able to see the improvement. Maybe your marketing system is still not profitable, but you've been doing it for the last year and every single month there's been improvements. Well, if you stop now, you stop the improvement and maybe you would be profitable three or six months from now. And then maybe you'd be, you know, getting a 200% return on your money and that would turn into 400% return on your money. You have to know your numbers. You have to track them. This is something I did from day one in this business. I can tell you, I can go back to 2006. I can tell you every, how many leads we got, how many appointments, how many sits, what our closure rate was, what our average case size was. I have a list of all the clients, uh, all those numbers there. And when we made decisions about marketing, we did it based on the facts. Uh, and I remember times when feelings did not match the facts. So I'd have to go to the facts to make decisions because it didn't feel like something was working, but it actually was. Uh, once again, frequency plus efficiency equals exponential growth. Uh, I hope this helped you become a better business builder, not just an insurance agent. Uh, one thing I'd like to add in this is that part of efficiency is having a sales process that maximizes the case size and closure rate. Now, there's a lot of you listening that might even be better at this than me. And I bet there's a lot of you that are. That doesn't negate the value of working with a partner who is also very good at this, even if they're not as good as you. Maybe I'm just better in some areas, but not every area, right? Maybe I just know products better than you do, which I probably do because, you know, I work with hundreds of agents and, and my other partners here at Annuity Agents Alliance are, you know, uh, eyeball deep in products every day. And so we're constantly working together and collaborating on case design. And, you know, you can only maybe work with 70 some clients a year and we're working with thousands, right? So maybe you're a better salesman than we are. Maybe you're better at sales processes, but I doubt it. You're better at case design and product knowledge. And then uh, we're probably better at marketing too, because we've developed marketing systems and we might even be able to offer you some opportunities with software because we built our own software that has sold multi, multi-million dollar cases and you get free access to that. The whole point of this is that don't fool yourself in thinking that you don't need a partner that is capable of helping you. Now, I, I'll give you that not everybody that says they can help you can help you, but you know, it's a huge mistake uh, where, you know, you approach this business uh, as if an FMO has no potential to help you, um, you know, and I'll kind of bring this to a personal level. Back in 2004, my wife and I separated and uh, it was my fault. Uh, I'll admit that. And she had some contribution to it too, but I took responsibility for it just like you do in this business and approached this problem as if a hundred percent of it was my fault. Cause that was the only thing I could work on was myself. I couldn't work on her. Um, and I had to find someone to help me do that. You know, pride is what got me to the place I was. Pride was not going to get me out of that situation. So I went around to different churches and their pastoral care and, went from counselor to counselor to counselor. And some of those people I met with were useless, not because they were bad people. It's just because for whatever reason, we weren't connecting, could have been my fault, could have been their fault. But in that particular situation, it wasn't helping me 
solve the problem of me and helping me win my wife back. And so I kept on looking for that mentor and I had to go through about five or six different guys till I found this one guy. And, uh, I remember his name and everything about him. He pastors a church down in Colorado Springs now, and he literally helped me save my marriage. And, uh, we just celebrated our 29th wedding anniversary. The point of all this is that I didn't stop looking for help just because the help I was getting wasn't working out. And I think that has to be the same experience in the agent FMO relationship, right? Don't give up trying to find enough. Don't settle for partnerships that aren't working. And I know these might be nice people and I hear the, you know, I'm loyal to these people and, you know, I don't want to leave these people, but, um, you know, find someone who truly wants to be your partner, someone who wants to grow your business and is trustworthy and capable and uh, find a home there and then stick with it. Because once you find a good mentor, you don't want to give that up. Uh, you know, there'll be plenty of opportunities to be told the grass is greener on the other side. And you know what, maybe it is, you know, maybe they can, they'll pay you more and they'll offer you more, but you know, the truth of the matter is, are you really in a partnership or are you just a number to them? And do they take a vested value based interest in your business? And are they there to work with you on a personal level, not just a business level? And I think that's super, super important, but don't stop looking for that perfect partnership because it can have a real big impact on your efficiency and your ability to grow this business. Okay. Well, that's all I have to, for today. Went a little long probably, but uh, we'll have part three of this series, maximizing your opportunity in the golden age of annuities uh, coming up. And so look forward to that. Thank you very much for joining me today and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Annuity Agents podcast with Anthony Owen. For more information on how Annuity Agents Alliance will help you build your annuity business, go to annuityagentsalliance.com. If you're watching on YouTube, please do us a favor and don't forget to hit that like button. Also, don't forget to subscribe and ring that bell to be notified of future podcasts. If listening on a podcast channel, please leave your rating and review if you like the show. The information and opinions expressed here by third parties or guests are believed to be reliable, but the information cannot be verified or guaranteed by Annuity Agents Alliance. The opinions of guests do not necessarily represent those of Annuity Agents Alliance or its partners. The prior information does not represent tax, legal, or investment advice and is for licensed financial professional use only. 